We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Andrew here with a quick programming note. This is part one of what ended up being a two-part episode here on a Tuesday. What you're getting now is a long conversation that Jeremy and John had about Tibbs and about Julius Randle and somehow time just flew when you were having so much fun. So this is part one. Refresh your feed. Episode two or part two should be available. We hope you enjoy and go Knicks. Hey there, Knicks fans. You crazy yet? <laughs> I know. I know I am. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, first, introduce my my glorious co-host, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. How's it going? How you doing? After this. How you doing? After this. We only got two more weeks of this regular season left to go right because there's we're we're three there's three weeks left right mm-hmm. so we will record an episode next week and then a week after that and then the one after that will be at the the season will be over well, you want to know the worst part though is there a worst part <laughs> there is the worst what? part is that we are so obsessed with this team that a week will go by and be like you know what i kind of miss nick's basketball <laughs> When is the summer league? Because I'm really eager to see any sort of Knicks basketball oh. I can. And then it's just waiting again until spring spring training, until training camp and convincing yourself this year will be different. Maybe it is, but it's the same pattern that we have. So yeah. That's that's how it'll go. That's how that's how yeah, that's how it'll go. And that's that is how we're doing. Um yeah, so it, we're 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 getting close. Um we're getting close to the end, and it is it is it is staggering to me at this point that these the conversations the conversation we'll have today and the conversation that we're we are still having with less than three weeks left to go in this season is a slight variation on the conversation that we were having three weeks into the year, probably, you know, maybe a little bit more. You know, some of the topics have changed a little bit, but like, you know rearrange the names and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's different, different names, same game of musical chairs, so to speak. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's get into it. So the, so the Knicks 
Um, I, I, where, where's the best place to start with this? Because I, we're going to get to Andrew's overarching discussion topic in a second. But like, I always like kind of like to, to start off with like a like, what's the what's the feel? What's the sentiment? What's the you know, what's the one word that could describe how we're all feeling right now? And I actually think it may be just like everybody wants it to end. Right. Is, is that the place that we've finally arrived? Uh, for some people have been here for months, probably, but that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Would you say that one word would be Kevorkian? <laughs> just like end it kind of thing? Because I mean, sure, but that's a little macabre. A um, little I don't know if there is one word to describe this password. You know, what? I, I, not. I, I do have one, actually. What? I'm going to say hollow. It was a okay. hollow week. And the reason I say it was that's hollow, good. it was two in one. And if you looked at it on the surface, you'd say, hey, that's a good week. I mean, of course, if you are not a fan of tanking, that's a good week. But there's more to it than that, because it didn't feel like a two-in-one week based on a lot of things that we learned and a lot of things that we already knew, but had the uh, joy and pleasure of relearning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about the games. We could talk about what's been going on behind the scenes and all sorts of things. Where do you want to start? I mean, yeah, well, let's let's just briefly recap. So um, the Knicks played the Blazers, kicked the crap out of them um, with, uh, you know, Josh Hart. And uh, how many NBA players are on the on the Blazers? Like real actual NBA players. Josh Maybe Hart, three, Ben McLemore and uh, wow, Trenton, Trenton, Trenton Wofford, the guy, the kid from LSU. He's 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 coming along. Uh, and they may have one other guy, whatever. Um, it's it's not a good team. They beat them by 30. And then they look like they might be on their way to beating the Wizards by 20 plus until the last four minutes of that game. Um, talk about seeing that movie before. Somehow, Kyle Kuzma did not make that fourth three. I Was there any part of you that thought that was going to miss? Because I was like, oh, this is going in. I thought it was going to go in. Yeah. It's like, I've seen this Wizards game before. I know how this is going to end. <laughs> we know that. Um, and then came the game that we we actually have seen before. And it was, uh, you know, I'll loop in Andrew here because he's the one with the, with the movie podcast. It managed to do something for me, talking about the jazz game, that I don't think any horror movie franchise has been able to do, which is like, Usually in a horror movie franchise, the scariest films are the ones that come at the beginning. And the further you go along, Nightmare on Elm Street, two, three, four, like the further, like we, we've been there, we've done this. By definition, they can no longer be as scary because you kind of are used to the gist of it. And yet, in some ways, the jazz game was the most frightening because it tested your, your, can, like your understanding of what what is like like the reasonable person standard like we saw the thing that was happening as it was happening and we were like no this this can't be the thing that's happening right now but yet but yet it was so yeah i mean give him credit for continuing to like i don't know keep, keep us engaged is that the word engaged i don't know what the word is so this was like the halloween from 2018 where it's just a different, more updated version of the same movie we've been seeing Maybe. in this franchise. You know? Maybe. Yeah, that might be it. That's not a bad comp. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 11 movies in. Same formula. Different way. You know? Different way. Yeah. Different edge. Different spin. Same ending. 
Jeremy, I haven't seen it. Oh, you really seen it? I've never seen a Halloween movie. Oh man, dude, you should see the first one at least. Yeah, probably. When I have the what was after basketball season's over, I'll watch it. So the first Halloween movie of this next season was the I guess the Orlando game. The Orlando game. Although it was not in the way that we would come to expect. Um, but yeah, there were, there, there've been a lot there. Uh, I think there have been just about, <laughs> I just saw Andrew. Uh, I think there have, uh, for anybody listening on the pod, Andrew is holding up a Halloween mask, a Michael Myers mask, I should say. Um, I'm not sure whether there's been more Halloween sequels or Nick's fourth quarter collapses. Um, Nick's 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 more. Nicks, yeah. Nicks. Probably yes. Nick's. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and the jazz game was just the latest one. So we should, that's a good entree point into, into our conversation. So what, what did happen? Um, what did happen was after the Knicks got out to an, as a lead through some early nice shooting, um, you know, the jazz were the jazz and hit a bunch of threes like they do because of the best offensive basketball. There's no, there's no, uh, no shame in that in allowing the jazz to score some points. But then as the Knicks have done much of the year, the kids came in and by golly, um, and you know what was so cool about the Knicks run in the fourth quarter, uh, Jeremy, is that all seven rookie contract players who are currently active and available for the Knicks got time. Like it was split between McBride and RJ, um, essentially, I guess, running co point alongside quickly. And then it was split between uh, Sims and Mitchell or Mitchell Robinson. So all seven guys got time. And then they, you know, they cut the lead down to four and they were kind of, you could tell they're running out of gas a little bit, but look, they had taken them that far. If there was ever a game to let the, let the kids finish and just, just because it was the right thing to do, putting aside all other considerations, you know, and then in comes, um, in comes Julius Randall, in comes Evan Fournier, Fournier, you could forgive because Fournier was having himself a, a nice game. He's been hitting, hitting shots lately. Um, but it was really came down to the Randall part of it. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you this. What was your, when you saw Randall check into the check to the scorers table, what, what what thought popped through your head? It was a mixture of a groan and why am I not surprised? Like it was this visceral feeling that I'd had at the Raptors game back in November where Randall just didn't have it. And no. then you see him start to check in. You're like, no, please don't, don't do this. And don't. as a reminder, that's the game when Obi Toppin had uh, 19 points, correct? Uh, no, no, no. In at MSG, I, I was actually in attendance for that game. Oh, okay. I Not got the you. one in Toronto. Okay. No. Okay. Where my, my fault. They were clawing their way back and seemed like they were making progress. And then Julius subs in and the game was over and it was like, great. I feel like we've seen something similar, but I wasn't surprised because why should I be right? What evidence do we have that would have indicated that Julius wasn't going to play. Now, granted, I mean, it didn't stop Tibbs from benching Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker in fourth quarters in the past, nope. uh, or Emmanuel quickly, or really any probably non-RJ Barrett player, even though RJ uh, has had RJ's, his, it's happened sure. frequently, but it's happened. So yeah. I wasn't surprised in the slightest that the guy who just played the third quarter entirely and had been terrible for the entire game was then getting subbed back in. And uh, sure enough, it didn't end well. In fact, the lead uh, or the deficit ballooned even more so. Shockingly. And right. <laughs> and it was frustrating uh, by all means, especially because I was really hoping for the Jazz to win because then they would have had a three in a week. I was actually for the Knicks to win. So I would have for the Knicks to win. win. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about that. 
I was thinking about that as I was watching. Yeah. You know, and like, look, anyone who's listening to what I'm about to say, and I, I, I've, I've said something to this effect before, and I'll say it again. If you listen to this and you're like, Macri, you are a damn fool. You deserve whatever fate is coming to you. That's fine. I deserve to have you say that, that thing about me. If the, if the Knicks had won that game and they had beat the Jazz, I would have been like, you know what? Look, I will continue to pay attention and be emotionally invested in in this season as a as a in a traditional fan rooting sense in terms of like we're going for it, baby. It's not too little, too late. We're coming for that play in spot. We're gonna get it. We're gonna finish eight and two down. Whatever the case may be, you know, because that win would have showed me something against a Jazz win, a Jazz team that was playing pretty well. I thought the Jazz played a good game. Um, which is like the, you know, that's the real criminal part of it, right? Is like the Knicks by and large for 44 and a half minutes, 43 and a half minutes, like they were fine. Like they played an okay game. Like, the you know, Randall was not good. Everybody else was pretty good. Um, and they played hard. They played more good defense. They've been playing excellent defensively. And then it just takes all of that. And in a span of four minutes or so, it just throws it all in the shitter. And that to me is why, yet again, this game was so representative of so much of the frustrations this year, because there really is, if you boil it down and and like we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about it, there is, there are a lot of positives to take away from the season in certain segments, but it is so hard to feel good about any of it when you have this player, Julius Randle, who is I, I don't even I don't even know how to finish that sentence. Who just is? He is. He's Julius Randle is, and then you have a coach who, for people who are defending him, I mean, how? Like, I, there's no explanation for for the actions that he took at the end of that game and that decision. And you like heard him in the post game press conference, and you like, what did? I'm sure you heard the the his response, like. I don't even think he knows why he brought Julius Randle back in at this point. I, I genuinely don't Unreliable. know. The it, it's stubbornness. <laughs> it's a gut reaction. That's really what it, it is, is. a gut reaction. It's it's, a gut who reaction. can I trust? A veteran. What's my best veteran? Randall. Julius Randle. That's how he's going to view it. This and, time it will be different. Yes. And it often isn't. I'm sorry. Is there a balloon behind you? Is that what I'm seeing? I've been wondering. It looks like Pennywise is right behind you. I and swear. I'm like, John's going to. He's going to die. Oh, for those, this really is, hope, for those who can't see on the pod, John's had this string hanging it behind him. It is a balloon. It's an <laughs> Elmo balloon. We, I've been staring at it yeah. since the pregame show, and I've been wondering what <laughs> I it is. You told me it's a red realize. balloon. I, 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 just I didn't know until I yeah. saw it moving. <laughs> it, so when you got up to go do something, when Jeremy was answering your question during the pregame show, and I saw it moving, and I was like, I remember to bring that up and we just got into it. And then I just saw it moving again. It was like, all right, what is that? Well, now it's I'm surprised you didn't put it over the plate. This is probably a better happy face look at. Um, Sorry about that. Sorry to distract so, oh, it's, it's totally fair. I can we take a maybe Tibbs was distracted by a balloon. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was. Well, there was a bat at MSG apparently last was night. there. So, oh, wow. I didn't was. know that. That's it's what Steve Popper was saying. But um, can we take a step back and talk about the Jake Fisher article? Because I think that actually sure. can play into this thought. So yeah. So uh, do you want to recap it? I'm sure. So for those who may not have seen it, Jake Fisher came out with an article last week in between our pods that basically said that the Knicks are leaning towards keeping Tibbs. That 
they have the option to let him go, but that they're not going to, that he's in frequent conversation with James Dolan. More than leaning towards there. It would, something would, something extraordinary would need to happen for the tips to not be back. I think right. is a better way to put it. Yeah. Yes. And listen, I read the article and I walked away feeling mad and I wasn't mad about the decision, although I certainly wasn't happy about that. I felt mad because the article was all bones and very little meat. It's very possible that the Knicks decide to keep tips. I would, you know, like I'll get into how they can spin it. But to me, it felt very much more like, hey, this is their thought process. And they are stingy when it comes to picks. They want to Danny Ainge every situation. Uh, They have a crap roster. You know, things that were very easy to add in and nothing that really felt sourced. The thing that pissed me off the most was the whole Johnny Bryant comment. Where it's like, Johnny Bryant can't do anything with his roster. Well, how do we know Johnny Bryant can't do anything with his roster? We would know if we had Johnny Bryant at the helm, but he's not there. So it's moot. It's very hypothetical. But it just, it bothered me this week because I know we've talked about Tibbs at length. And believe me, there's plenty of room for us to talk about the other person in the room. And we will get to him and I admonish him accordingly as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of with Tibbs, right? I just, there were three things that kind of popped into my head this past week. The first had to do with the talent, right? The fact that the Knicks apparently don't have the talent. They, you know, I hear it. I get it. 
if you have a team and you have star talent, you're going to win. Just yeah. the bottom line. But to me, it's like, okay, great. Well, even if you don't have the star talent, you have to maximize it in some way. You need to make it to the best of its abilities that it can. We saw it last year. It was a big 15. The sum of the parts, it's a greater whole. And we haven't gotten that this year. Now, you could chalk it up to Julius Randle, who, again, we will talk about being this incredible second team all-NBA player leading the Knicks to the first round. And then the Knicks were stonewalled in the first round because the offense sputtered for a myriad of reasons. Um, Personnel, coaching. You could look inexperienced. You could chalk it up to a lot of things, just giving Atlanta credit. But to me, it was like, okay, well, again, there is talent on this roster. It's just not necessarily being used to the best of its abilities. And then you look at the fact that the Knicks are what tied for fifth in defensive uh, rating since the since All-Star the break, break. Yeah. conveniently. Yep. Also when Kemba Walker stopped playing, you go back to the whole Kemba Walker situation and how that was handled. I know you've talked about that at length. I know you agree with me on that. I don't, I push back on the idea of talent because I still think that this team should be in the plan. I have the talent to do it. That's so, not unfair. Okay. Thank you. The next thing is stability, right? The biggest thing that I often hear with stability is, well, if you fire Tibbs, then what happens with RJ? He'll have had what his fourth coach in not even four years. What's oh, the yeah. deal with that? It's frustrating. And I hear it, but at the same time, we don't know how RJ is feeling, right? Like RJ's asked about, Tibbs. And we know that RJ has had media training since he was in utero. So he's not going to give an answer that throws his team or his coach under the bus and creates any sort of frustration. Right. But for me, it's like, okay, you don't have to stick with something for the sake of sticking with it. If it doesn't work, then you move on. Because the other thing is we assume that Johnny Bryan is going to be next at the helm. That is your stability. If these young players love Johnny Bryan, then it's ridiculous to say, to say that, hey, you have to have Tibbs there for the sake of stability when there is a stable internal candidate who would be promoted. So that's the second thing. The third thing, and this to me is like kind of the last resort thing, it's that this team hasn't given up. The Knicks haven't given up on Tibbs. There's still a fighting mentality. They want to fight. And I mean, first of all, to me, it's like, okay, so that's like, that's really the bare minimum. We see Kevin Porter Jr. on Houston and what he's doing. And you know what? The, the Knicks don't have that type of player. You know why? Because as much grief as the front office has gotten, the Knicks have invested in players who don't quit because they don't know what quitting on the team means. That's they don't fair. give up, period. And so it's like, you're not going to see guys like, Quentin Grimes, who had to transfer and was an incredible prospect and then taken late in the first round, giving less. At first, you had the veterans playing and they had to play because there was a sunk cost to it and because Tibbs trusted his veterans. And you have the younger players who are hungry, who are on the bench, who want their time to shine. And it's not working. And the veterans keep playing and the young players get agitated, but they're not even really going to get a ton of time to play anyway. So and they're younger. They have to, you know, get their chops in, whatever. It's their time will come. Fine. But then later on, you get to having the younger players get more time. But you don't get the veterans to be too upset because of the fact that Nerlens Noel isn't playing. Taj Gibson was signed to the room exception because he's the vet presence who's getting overpaid because the Knicks could afford to do that because who else were they going to give the room exception to? 
You have all these guys. Now the young players, they're not upset because they're getting the time that they feel that they should have. Meanwhile, yeah. you have Julius Randle who can't be reeled in at all because I don't know why. And then you have Tom Thibodeau who, who basically sold people like me because I wanted Tibbs and I still maintain last year was great. And I'm happy with last year, but I also know that last year screwed us over for this year by expectations and what we're hoping for to an extent. And it pisses me off to see Tibbs say like, well, I'm analytically driven and these are the numbers and the data. And then he does the same crap that we know doesn't work. And we know from numbers that we have access to, it may not be the same numbers. They have better numbers than we do, but we no. know from even basic analytics, it's not working. And we can see with our eyes, no. it's not working. And so you get all of these guys who are now finally getting the opportunity to prove themselves and they have a chip on their shoulder and they're not going to quit. And so it's just like, of course, of course, they're not going to give in. This is their moment. Like Deuce McBride got three minutes. Do you think he's not going to give his all in three minutes as he gets shuttled back and forth to the Westchester Knicks? He's going to give everything to it. And so I guess the, the way that I will wrap this up is by tossing back to you and saying in your newsletter last week, you had written about if you separate Tibbs, uh, hit the season, his last season in Minnesota, if you separate the player of basketball, the president of basketball operations. On yes. The part, that, that this has this been his is, worst year of coaching. Yeah. Right. And to that, my question is, well, if this has been his worst year of coaching and the year that isn't as bad, he was fired for. Why isn't he fired this year? Because to me, it well, feels like there's a dam, right? And the dam is cracking, but instead it's like we could repair the dam by getting Tibbs out and making sure that it doesn't erupt, or we could let the dam erupt and then try to pick up the pieces and salvage what's there. And I would just kind of rather plug up the holes in the dam and, and uh, maybe even build a new dam if you have to. But doing something where it's not, well, it, it exploded. How do we recover from this? So I, I agree the dam is breaking. I guess where I'm at odds with you on some of the things you just said about Tibbs. And the reason he got fired had nothing to do with his coaching is because his fucking wife of the owner didn't like that he cursed on the sidelines. Well, it, um, but, and, but and the, I, got, I have and to push the, back. I have to push what? back because the Jimmy Butler problem was yeah, and the and that was again that was a president of basketball operations issue. Tibbs the coach was not fired. That you couldn't you couldn't retain Tibbs the coach and keep or yeah and fire Tibbs the president. So I but think they also weren't it, it's it's a it's a it goes hand in hand. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying, but the reason I have to push back is because it's still the locker room, which Tibbs also had to manage. And that's well, why being a president of basketball operations and a head coach doesn't work out. Well, it doesn't work out. Not. And he did a very poor job of it. I don't think anything that happens happened in Minnesota at that time should be a determining factor for anything that the Knicks do. That's the first thing. I guess the, 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 the point that I'm in, I'm in an agreement. Look, we, where we could all agree that Thibodeau has done a very poor job responding to adverse situations this season. The Kemba situation when he was signed, I think Tibbs responded poorly to that. I, I don't know. I have to think that there could have been a better way to try to integrate him, Walker and Fournier with Randall. Like however Tibbs went about doing that, it was very clear from early on that it, it's complete. And, and this is not all on Tibbs, but Whatever he came up with didn't work because the team looked like a disjointed mess for the first 20 games. And then his response to that, to bench Kemba and create this rift in the locker room, well, that didn't help matters either. Um, and sure enough, they went like they did not rally around that decision as a team. They went two and whatever. I think they went two and eight or two and nine immediately after the Kemba benching. And then Kemba came back and like on and on we go. And then with the whole Randall situation, which is the topic of conversation for this week. 
Tom Thibodeau has not been able to corral his best player. He's not been able to get consistent effort from his best player. He's not been able to get his best player. Forget about missing shots. It's all the other stuff. If it was just missing shots. You know, that would be a different story. I guess where I'm at a bit of a disagreement with you is like, you talk about this dam breaking to me, like that thing that's trying to break through the giant doors of the dam or whatever you want your analogy is that's Julius Randall this season. To me, trying to make this about that it's Tibbs that the reason the season that and that's my fundamental disagreement here. It's not that Tibbs has done a good job. We can all agree Tibbs has not done a good job. And I agree with you that if the organization thinks there's a better option than Tibbs, they should go with it. And if they really believe that, then there's no reason not to go with it. And I've said that on the pod for for weeks now. Um, But if you fire Tibbs and whatever, you promote Johnny Bryant, fine. What makes anybody think that that's going to make the Julius situation any better? And that's the thing. And look, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that's why you keep it because the, the obvious answer to this is, well, fire Tibbs and then trade Randall. Right. And solve both of your problems. I don't know that it's going to be that easy to trade Randall. Um, and we could talk about that. And I'm sure we will talk about that over the next couple of months. I think you're given a little bit, not enough credence to how hard they've played and how sound they have been on defense all year. Um, it is half the, it is half the court. It is half of what you do out there on the, on the, on the court. And without Walker and since the break, like if it was that easy, like, like there's two groups of teams in the NBA, right? There's teams that are in the playoffs of the play in, and there's teams that are out of it with young players who are trying to show them. So if that logic Dick was like, Oh, well there's young players, they're going to be, that's not really all it is. Right. It's about having a sound scheme and something that if the players buy into and execute, it's going to work well. And it is working well. He is still one of the, I will stand by this. He's one of the defensive masterminds in the league that does not translate to the other end of the court, which is what everybody's problem is. And I completely agree with that. But again, I go back to how are you supposed to coach offense? If this is the, this is the engine that you have. And the answer to that, that we've arrived at now is like, well, it's up to Tibbs to figure out how to corral his engine, how to get his engine working properly, how to get his engine going in the right, like whatever, whatever your analogy is. And that is his failure. And he has to own that failure. What I'm just trying to point out here is that if you fix that, that is the problem. Let's let's can we at least admit that that's the problem. Tibbs is not the engine. Julius Randle is the engine. That's the thing that's sputtering. That's the reason why the because because for all any other concerns, oh, he's sticking Evan Fournier in the corner. He's playing Alec Burks too much. He doesn't play this young player enough, or they don't run enough high pick and roll. All this bullshit. We're not talking about any of that if Julius Randle's having the season he had last year. Not one word, because if Julius Randle's having the season he had last year, they're in the, at the worst, they're in the play-in and everybody's hunky-dory. And I know that for a fact because there were complaints about Tibbs last year. There's always going to be little complaints, but it would not rise anywhere to the level of where we're at right now. Again, does that absolve Tibbs? Absolutely not. But it, it is important context that you have to add to this conversation. Because I think to not add it is is disingenuous. That again, that doesn't mean you keep him as coach, because he's he hasn't done a good job. But I think it's an important part of the conversation that needs to be had. And it, and and don't again, last thing, don't fire him because because you're like I'm trying to think of what the what the best the best way to like if you believe he's a good coach, 
Keep him on as coach. If you believe there is a better coach that you could get that would better get through to this group of players, then go get that coach. That's what the, the conversation should be about. But that you is know? my conversation. Like, I, I don't that's say fine. that about Tibbs and then and then turn around and be like, well, Julius Randle has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I fully blame Julius Randle as well. Uh, I will put it there. They share a significant percentage of blame and I still have Tibbs above Randle. I understand Tibbs isn't the one playing, but you, if you want to talk about Julius as an engine, Tibbs is the conductor. He's the conductor. He is. He's the look at look at this this last game with the Jazz, for example. Julius didn't have it. It was another textbook example of Julius not having it. And what does Tibbs do to reward his bad play? He brings him back in. Yeah. He has no ability to curtail any of Randall's flaws or faults. And And that's what I wrote today. I completely agree. So so if 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 Johnny Bryant Maybe he does a better job. Maybe he doesn't. But I am comfortable enough to see and to test it out because I don't think that the other things that Tibbs has to offer are so overwhelmingly incredible that there's this drop off. And that's where that's at least where I think they're. And again, I don't blame. No one wants to have that conversation, right? No one wants to have that conversation. People want this guy fucking gone. I don't blame anybody because we're watching the same shit. It's all it's frustrating to all of us. Frustrating to me. And I don't blame anyone for not wanting to have the conversation. I guess I'm just, again, I've, I've said this on the pod so many times. I guess I just watched too many years of, of, of teams that didn't have a plan and didn't try and didn't give a shit and like couldn't execute, didn't even try to execute like year after year after year after year. And there is a base. And, and boy, this, is that a low bar? You want to talk about the lowest bar in the NBA? It's either us or the Timberwolves, right? And, and okay. lo and behold, by the way, well, King, sorry, Kingston. Okay, so we're we're in the bottom ten percent, right? Um, it is a low bar, but like to me, Tibbs still, even with everything else, he still barely clears the low bar. So again, if you find if you feel someone else can get a little higher over the bar, hire that person tomorrow. Right. I, I just don't. The, yeah, and I, and I and I and I and I I just think it's. It, we're not sure yet whether or not Johnny, I mean, cause how could we be sure now? Don't keep Tibbs and not hire Johnny Bryant because of fear. You brought him on as a, as the associate head coach. Hopefully you did your homework and you think he could be a great head coach someday. So I'm not sure I'm necessarily in disagreement on that aspect of it. Um, I but just like, you are bringing in the emotional aspect of it where you're saying you've well, seen far too many things go awry for you to well, in the past 20 years where you're not actually comfortable doing this because it, again, I it feels like if there's stability is there, then I don't have the issue that, that, um, or the concern that you seem to have. Because I think it's a lot, it is so easy to focus on the bad when the bad is, so, <laughs> is so frustrating. And again, I'm not blaming anyone for doing that, but it is not easy to have a top five defense in the NBA. And I understand that they do not have that this year. They have a, I think it's the 12th ranked defense in the NBA this year, but like, I think by the end of the year, they're going to be in the top 10. And I, like, we know that Tibbs is one of the five to 10 best defensive coaches in basketball. That isn't easy. If it was easy, every team would do it. And by the way, it's not like the Knicks have any great defensive personnel either. Here's another here's question. Who's the best defender on the Knicks? Okay. Mitchell Robinson, right? He's number one. Uh, Quentin Grimes. Okay. Rookie. RJ number three, probably right. You know, sure. and then we're talking about the, the what? I said, sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we're talking about the Julius Randles and Evan Fournier's and Kemba Walker's and Deuce. Derek Rose's and Deuce. uh, Deuce's kind of yeah. little bit. I mean, he's so, younger you know, and he barely played, but sure. you know, Emmanuel quickly, not exactly guy known coming out of college. And yet he has, he, he still gives you that. Do I maybe put more into that than most fans? Absolutely. Am I right to do so? Probably not. I just, that's where I'm coming from. And I don't, I don't know how to dis- disassociate myself from that from my appreciation of that specific aspect of what he brings along with the preparedness and, and just like nine times out of 10, the team's going to go out there and they're going to have a chance to win the game. And by the way, for all the doom and gloom, like, and that's what's so fr- Again, it all comes back. That's what's so frustrating. They have been in, in like, they've been in like nine out of every 10 games, right? If not more. And they, and yet the record still is what it is because of all the shit we're talking about that frustrates everybody. And that, is the reason everybody wants him fired. But there are positives. I do want to make that clear. It's not like it is just doom and gloom and, hey, this guy is the worst coach that the Knicks have ever employed and we want him. Go-. It's not that. It's just... Well, that, like, that's what the conversation... Again, it's not you. But it's, I, want to, but, I want to be very clear. It is not you and it is not a lot of Knicks fans. There is a segment of the fan base who, if you... Thank you, Andrew, for nodding and smiling. There is a segment of the fan base that if you would read their tweets and look, there's that's no what it's designed for. That's what social media and is. I, I fucking hate it. And it that, boils that, and my blood. And I that and that is why I get up here on this fucking soapbox and spew this nonsense every week, because that's the only way to counteract these people who just like. And again, it's a tweet. What does a tweet matter? It means nothing. Right. But it's out there. And like the fact that people just get to put out whatever the fuck they want and there's no repercussions. And guess who hears about this shit? And guess who it gets back to? Gets back to the players, and it gets back within the organization. They hear it's. It has been said by retired player after retired player. It is the loudest, most pervasive fan base in sports, and that is what annoys me about how, where this conversation has deteriorated to. It is. It has ceased to be a civil conversation for months. And I think the people responsible for it, and they all know who they are. And I'm not. It's not even in one segment of the fan base. It's all over the place. Because it's how you get attention, right? It's how you get clicks, yeah, it's how you get likes, it's how you get this site. And it's irresponsible. And yes, uh, this is me. This is my get off my lawn speech. Full acceptance. But it bothers me. It bothers me. And that's why I can't get off this point. So I hear you. But to me, the message isn't wrong. It's the delivery that has the problems. Fine. And I, but but that's where it, the, the kind of like the kernel of it is like. The same issues that we're talking about right now, we're talking about it a month and a half ago. Like, yeah. it, it, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Like, but there was a point where we couldn't even have this conversation because how could we dare entertain it? And now we're having the conversation because even more has played out. And I think that's that is the biggest thing, John. It's more, it's not like I can't believe that you want to have Tibbs as coach. It's that we're having the same conversation, but it seems like over time and all of these other things that have ensued, like how many times do we have to see Alec Burks be inserted into a clutch time and almost lose the game, if not lose the game, when you had Fred Katz on your podcast and said, no, what, it was negative 93, negative 98 that Alec Burks had? I, I found that stat. I, that, that's all me. You did. I yeah. found that stat. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it right Negative back. 98, like, and it was, it was negative 98, 96 minutes. It's probably, probably got Right. <laughs> it definitely has, but like, but that's the yeah. thing. Like, it, it feels like yeah. getting gaslighted by Tibbs, and then 
it's like, well, like, how do you see this and then say the opposite? Well, and we're supposed to think otherwise when we know it's not working. So it's just an, it's insult. Not, not you. No, no, yeah, it's, no. It's, it's insulting it's, to see no, and fair. hear and learn everything about what's going on and know how painful it is to watch Julius Randall, who we'll talk about in a minute. I know I've been saying that, but because I, I know I've been talking a lot about tips. <laughs> well, I want to give the attention. To what is there to say about Julius? But continue. It's just everything about what's going wrong, wrong with Tibbs. It's it's infuriating to the fan base because yes, it does go hand in hand. The, the successes that he had last year with Julius, where Tibbs was coach of the year and Julius was most improved player and named to the second uh, All NBA second yeah. team and an All Star. The highs are high and the lows are low. And I understand that you believe in players and you've got your guys, but at a certain point, you also have to read the goddamn room. And Tibbs doesn't know how to do that because he's scared of change. And the only reason we're seeing these young players play, only two reasons, I should say. Number one, let's face it, the organization has stepped in in some manner. And number two, there are injuries, right? Like you could talk about Derek Rose on. and the impact of the Knicks that they're missing him. They're, yes. I believe, eleven and fifteen in games that he's played this year. So it's not like Derek Rose is the glue. I, look, I get it. Some of those games, most of those games, may have had Kemba Walker. There, there are other factors. Yeah, it, but if we're relying on a thirty-three-year-old Derek Rose who has played seventy-five percent of the season once since he was last on the Knicks, then we've got bigger fish to fry. And I can see from this roster since the All Star break. The fish that we need to fry are not quite that big. The problems are mitigated. They, he has found solutions because they have been handed to him. Hold on, just, just at least be, at least be fair. And at I love be- what he's done with the second unit in that second quarter. I want to give yes. him credit for that. I love what he did, and especially opening fourth quarters too. If you're a yeah. Knicks fan and you want to tune into a game, but you don't want to see the bullshit you have to face, just tune in for the start of the second quarter and the start <laughs> of the fourth quarter, and you'll love it. Those and are a lot great. of fun. I give credit to Tibbs, and I think he deserves that, but it's the other stuff, the filler, that, that and I can't believe I'm calling the rest of the game filler, but I am. Well, it's, it's frustrating, and, and filler is probably the kindest, but I just want to say, be, be fair, there is a criticism here, but it is not that and again, we have. To, I, it is important to me to be specific about this stuff. It is not that he does not like young players. It's not that he does not play young players. Agreed. It is that he has a type, and if you're and his type is Quentin Grimes, so he would send out there for forty eight minutes if he could. Emmanuel quickly, slightly lesser extent, is his type. He'll play Emmanuel quickly to the cows come home. I think Jericho Sims, honestly, I think he has no issue playing Sims as much as he does. I think Sims does a lot of the Tibbs stuff. Obi Toppin is not his type. Cam Reddish is not his type because they are more take stuff off the table and put some other stuff on the table. And Tibbs has no energy or effort or patience for the take the stuff off the table. Meanwhile, good, truly good, really good organizations deal with the take stuff off the table and they embrace it and they 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 are more willing to allow mistakes to be made in games for the betterment of the long term and now with Obi Toppin again for I, I don't know where Obi Toppin's going to be I don't know if he's going to be a great player or not same thing with Cam Reddish but has a disservice potentially been done to him probably been done to him because of how he's been used over the t- absolutely how could you not say that you know the fact that we're sitting here and we're like we still don't know what he is right because there's so many unanswered questions because there's certain situations like well he might be good in that role he might be good in that role. we don't know we just don't that's, know. That's the problem. And great coaches. No, I'm agreeing with you. Right, I'm yeah, agreeing great, with you here. Great coaches 
see what they have and build game plans around them. Not say like, oh, Obi Toppin doesn't fit into what I want, so I'm going to stick him in the corner. Yeah. Right? Like that to me is a bigger problem. We could talk about also like I think back to the Timberwolves game where when the Knicks were at home and what did they do? They went heavy on vets and they lost the game. They didn't even win it. And One of the worst losses of the season. And it's like, what did you gain from that? Right? Because yes, Tibbs does play younger players, but let's also face it. The reason why a lot of these guys saw time in the beginning was because of COVID and then because of injuries. And then because the front office removed them from the equation, like Derek Rose, I'm sure could come back this season, but I would imagine the team doesn't want him to come back. Because Can you imagine if he came game? back? I, I can't, I really can't. <laughs> I, I, that's that to me is what's so frustrating with Tibbs. And it's like, you have to take the toys away. You have to give him the ingredients and then he cooks, but then it's, well, they gave him the wrong ingredients. They didn't, they didn't give him the wrong ingredients. He had the right ingredients. He just didn't make the right choices. And now well, like you're blaming it, the supplier when the cook gave you it, a bad meal. Let's that's and a now good the cook has learned how to cook. It's a good transition to we're going to do our detention first this week. Um, uh, are we talking about, are we talking about the other guy right now? Cause right, now, like we're gonna talk about, now we're going to talk about, now we're going to talk about the other guy. Cause Fair that's enough. the thing is like, he has not been get. He may be he, the, the salt may be very salt may be very. What is what is good salt? Is good salt is salty? I don't know. Pepper is very peppery. Uh, the the lettuce. Let's move this up. Uh, the what, lettuce is the what? What is happening? The, the, if you the, say the no, lettuce I'm is lettuce, I'm going to go to Brooklyn. No, the, the lettuce, lettuce is lettuce. The lettuce is the lettuce is crisp. The tomatoes are 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 uh, nice and plump. Okay. I, I'm the, hungry. The, the, the tomatoes are all of the peripheral ingredients for the most part are good. Um, you know, RJ Barrett's probably your mashed potatoes in this analogy. Um, you know, maybe a little, little, little too creamy on some nights, a little too what? salty on others. I'm sorry. What meal are you having? What is this? I'm this is a like good a, time a, for me to place steak. an ad for hello. Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor. Hello fresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. 
Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The meat for this meal, it's, as a Seinfeld fan, I, mean, I know you'll appreciate it. It's a latter, latter season episode, but I, I know you'll remember it when Frank Costanza got the meat. The, the, sto- the story from back, yes, when he was in the army and then it replayed itself as he was doing the, what was it, Jewish veterans or something or other? I, Jewish singles or something? I, I, you remember, I, I'm not making it. I've seen the episode, but yeah. Yes. I, okay. Blanking. The meat had gone bad. The, 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 do not eat the meat. The meat is bad. Um, that's Julius Randle. He's the, he's the meat that has gone bad. And the smell is permeating um, the entire organization. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get the chef if not this summer, at some point, it's going to get the chef fired um, to see if a new chef could come in and spice this baby up. Spoiler alert, ain't happening. Uh, he is so far gone. Um, you know, we should have we, we shouldn't have even had a detention category this year. It just should have been the Julius Randall weekly commemoration of events award um, and just talk about what Julius did or did not do in a given week. And like to to have a player not only be bad, but be selfish and bad, um, which is what Julius Randall is because, and you could tell it against, you know, he, he, he went into it, the jazz game, having no intention of trying to do his best to win the game. He went to go one-on-one with Rudy Gobert. He was, that was a personal one-on-one mano a mano bullshit thing. And it completely torpedoed any realistic chance they had of winning the game because the only times their offense was really bad in the first three and a half quarters, because you could score on the jazz. That's a dirty little secret. You can score on the jazz. Their defense has fallen off this year. Their worst offense was always when Julius Randall had the ball. Um, and it was thoughtless. It was careless. Um, and then, to, and then the, what happened after the final buzzer is, it's, I mean, it's just chef's kiss at that point. That's the, that's the cherry on top. Um, I, I don't know. It's, that's why it's funny to me. You kept saying, we'll get to Randall. We'll get to, what, 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 what is there to talk about? Oh, there's plenty to talk about. I mean, no, but seriously, what, it's, it's, so here, have, have well, the floor. For, I, I, with, I, I don't know what else to say there is. If we're going there for uh, Seinfeld comparisons, you know the episode where George introduces food play into his sex life? <laughs> Tibbs is going for, the going for the sandwich in the cabinet in between rounds. And Julius is, is the meat that you're talking about. Yeah. Eating that sandwich, hey, Tibbs just goes for that sandwich whenever he can. And yeah. but let's talk about the sandwich. I, <laughs> to me, Julius, because you know, like last year, obviously the offense was phenomenal because the shooting, especially from mid range and his spot uh, on the baseline, was so great. Uh, were so great, but it obviously tapered off. But to me as well, it was the defense 
that was so impressive. And Julius is the type of guy where it's like, you look good, you feel good. Yeah. But for him, it's you hit shots, you defend shots. You don't hit shots. You don't defend shots. You don't try because again, it's not the missing shots. It's the effort. It's the lack of accountability. And, you know, we, there's so many times where you want to believe in Julius and he just, he breaks your heart in the sense of like you, like we went from wanting to ship him out of town to apologetically giving him the key to the city to now wanting to rescind the key and ship him back out of town. And I can tell you, it's probably going to happen. The Knicks are probably going to look, this is a guess. I could be very easily wrong, but I have a feeling I'm going to agree with your guess. But the Knicks are going to, at the end of the season, fire tips. They're going to keep Julius. They're going to get a better point guard and they're going to basically try their best to say it's a new coach. It's a new system. It's a new guard. Julius has the off season to do whatever he needs to do to improve. And as a result, he then can find someone to take the burden off of him. We acknowledge he's not a leader. It's why we gave him the contract. We gave him because we wanted him under contract in the event that we ever had to trade him. And also like, we didn't want it to when it's a second team all NBA player. It's the third time I've said it. Like, you don't want to let that guy go. I understand it was one season, it felt like the anomaly. But if you go back in time, that was the right move. And I stand by that. Even as all of this unfurls, I stand by it because the difference in terms of the salary that you'd probably get, and I, I understand right. you could just move on, period. Um, but I still, I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with signing him because you just need to try to get him right. But how do you get Julius Randle right? And there's a book I really love. It's by Dale Carnegie. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was written in 1936, but a lot of the principles still hold. I want Julius Randall to read that book. And now here's the thing, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, because one of those things is don't criticize, don't admonish, uh, which I'm doing right now, which we're doing and having no problem. To that, I say... I didn't read that book, so I'm fine. Dale Carnegie, listen, uh, 1936, that was well before sports talk podcasts and radio. So maybe in the updated version, you might be able to get that. But Julius doesn't know how to play the game. And when I say the game, I don't mean basketball, although some nights it certainly seems like that. Julius doesn't know how to play the game in getting along with people. If you just watch the end of that, right? You have Rudy Gobert basically being like, yo, I, 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 that's, that's, you know, whatever. Do you know how hard it is for people to sympathize with Rudy Gobert? It's <laughs> damn near impossible. How do you make him likable? Julius Randle, that's the easiest thing. You then have him start to go off, which we've seen several times before. Like I remember the Pelicans game storming off, getting called with a technical and him having to be calmed down every single time that we've seen this. And what do you like? You see him shoving security guards, right? You then see Evan Fournier going over there and then being like, screw it. I've seen this movie play on far too much, right? I'm gone. You see RJ Barrett trying to calm down Julius next to the ref. And he's barking at the ref and then he starts walking away. And what does RJ do? He puts his arm around the ref and starts talking to him. Julius doesn't know how to win friends and influence people. Like he talks about not getting the foul call. Look at what, look, granted, RJ doesn't exactly get too many calls, but it's getting better because he's also driving a ton. But these refs, they try to be objective, but the reality is they're not. They're humans and they tend to kind of like have their own personal biases. If you do not come across as well-liked, you probably may not get the call. I know for Harden, it might be a different situation, maybe even borderline for someone like Luca. But even then, I, I, I still think, you know, like if you are able to, to show why you should get it, and if you are like well-liked or even respected, it's a different story. 
And then Julius just does this bullshit. And it's like every time I, I talked about not giving up in this team, he is the one guy where it's like, yeah, there's no I in team, but there's a me. And it drives me nuts because of the fact that like, this is a player that the Knicks extended. They want him here, at least in the short term. And if it's the long term, I don't know how they're going to go about it. I still remain convinced as I did the day he signed that contract, that it is a vehicle to have him moved. And if he stays on this team long-term, I'll believe it when I see it. But in the meantime, it's so rough that we know that that you can't bring back him and Tibbs. And so if you get rid of Tibbs, you keep Julius, but you don't have to keep Julius, but then what are you going to do? Right? Like, I, I don't quite know how you solve it without taking off uh, you know, selling at a very low point. And we saw the Knicks well, were interested in selling at a low point. So you have to be absolutely sure if you're the Knicks that come next year, you can't coexist with Julius, period. And if you can't do that, then by all means, get off this wild ride. But if you also think that with a summer of of just taking the time away, having someone else be a high usage player that can take the pressure off of Julius so he doesn't have to seem like this first option, which we all say and know that he is, it's a different story. And I, I feel like to that extent, please, if you're listening to this and you're like, Julius Randall sucks, how can we turn around and trade him for a star? Listen to yourself. Because again, I would love to trade Julius Randall for a star. His, his, his value is not there. There's time for him to rehabilitate it. Hopefully next year. Again, I've circled 2023 as a time. I, I know we've talked about it before. Like that is where you hope to get his value up. And by improving the conditions around him, by getting a better offense too. I know. Uh, friend of the podcast, Channing Fry. He talked about the field goal percentage. He talked about the assists per game. He talked yes. about a lot of things. He also talked about Russell Westbrook, yeah. which I yes. vehemently disagree with, but to each their own. Uh, like doing something where you can at least get creative. Let's get nuts sort of thing, right? Like let's not have Obi Toppin stay in a corner. Let's let's pair these players that maybe wouldn't be there. Let's not have Emmanuel quickly go off and then let's yank him away because I don't know. And then put him back in when Evan Fournier fouls out a minute and 25 seconds later, well, do something that's creative, do something that's worth it. And that's where Tibbs and Julius go hand in hand. And they are, you know, Thelma and Louise, the, you know, whatever duo name you want to include there. No, Thelma and Louise is pretty good. They're tied to the hip. So I, I will say a couple of things. One, the him always complaining to the rest of the season is very amusing to me because last season, 5.8 free throw attempts for 36 minutes this season, 5.6. So not a big difference there. Mm. Um, that's number one. Um, number two, I think, I think there is something to be said for <laughs> his value will be higher. If you wait until next season, if only because can it possibly get lower? Um, I think that's that's valid. However, I think there is a chance that there will be again. It only, it only takes one team. There is a chance that you will have a team out there this summer who looks at this and says, "What if it was a one year blip? What if what if the All NBA? Not that we think he's All NBA, but what if what if that's closer to the real thing? And this season for whatever, maybe he didn't want to play with Kemba, maybe this, maybe that." Um, maybe, maybe if we, maybe this is the buy low opportunity that we organization, that's not the Knicks have been waiting for. Is there a team out there? And ultimately the Julius trade conversation is going to take care of itself because if the Knicks find an offer where they feel like is good value, they're going to trade Julius Randall. If they don't feel like there is an offer out there with good value, they're not going to trade Julius Randall, which is why ultimately 
I am in agreement with you. I don't think they're going to trade Julius Randle because I don't think like some people have posited that the, the front office is going to go into the summer with the notion of like, we must get Randall off this team for the sanctity of all that is good and holy. Um, even though I think, and this is, I guess where I'll push back a little bit because like the notion that he is going to improve his mental, his emotional, like let alone what's on the court. I, I'm not buying it. I think he is an incredibly volatile person. I think we've seen that this year. I think he is fueled by, I think he he's fueled by everything. He he doesn't, there is no like internal compass. He, he doesn't like some players are able to phase everything out and like just hone in. He seems like the opposite of that. And last season, I think he fed off of all the good vibes and it perpetuated into how we played. And that's, I, I was funny. I went and looked up the quote and I had it in the newsletter today. I want to read it right now. Tibbs said after uh, it was, this was in the middle of the season. Tibbs said about him, he plays with a lot of toughness. There's a lot of multiple effort plays that he's making, but he's also playing very unselfishly. Um, and then at the end, it's that type of leadership that's invaluable to a team. Like everybody heard that quote when Tip said it last year and everybody was like, yeah, it's, that's accurate. That, that fits with the guy that I'm seeing. And now it's, it's, it's comical. Um, I, I'm just, I'm very fearful because I don't think it's going to change as long as he's here, because in his mind in New York, he's the guy. And just the thought of sitting through another season of, I mean, I'm not saying he's like derailing RJ Barrett. I don't think that that's the case. I actually think his presence there to take some of the weight off of RJ is a good thing at times, maybe more than some of us would like to admit. Um, but man, if there's a good deal out there, I, I just, and I guess where I'm, where I'm curious, where I'd be most curious is what the front office feels like is a good deal, you know? Um, and that's, that's an answer that we just don't have. And we we're not going to be able to know until they make a trade. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll, we'll find out soon enough. That's why having a high usage point guard, at least, you know, cobbling together, helping with your consolidation and solving more of a problem. And I don't mean this as a slight to Emmanuel quickly in the slightest, just upgrading at that position in a lot of ways would really help you. Um, not just from an internal perspective and you can well, even send other guys out, but like that, that to me, I'm not saying that's going to save Julius Randle. I'm saying but like he's still going to want his touches and he's still going to want his uses. And that's sorry. One last thing. The thing about having a more creative offense that has to be embraced to work. And that's the other thing I have a big question about is like, is you like, guess what creative offenses have? <laughs> They've guys that like, move around without the ball and like cut and, and do all kinds of shit and like are willing to go outside their comfort zone. Julius Randle is the least creative offensive player in the game of basketball. I think there's an argument that could be outside of, I don't know, like Andre Drummond or something like he is the antithesis of creativity on a basketball court. So how like, fine, hire some offensive genius to run all kinds of shit. Like what in God's name do we, have we seen from Julius Randle lead us to believe that he's going to embrace something like that? Cause I personally haven't seen anything. I hear you. And that's obviously something you hope to believe, but I think that that's also where it kind of goes hand in hand with Tibbs or it's like he, what the gremlins where you water them or feed them after midnight. And then like, there was, there is no punishment. There are no repercussions for anything that he does. And so like, he's able to just keep going out there because if something goes wrong, What's really going to happen? 
he, he I don't think a different more. I don't think a different coach is going to change that. Maybe not. And maybe the Knicks find the right answer in terms of a solution for a coach. Maybe it's trading Julius Randle, right? Like I think the other thing to take stock of is if if they feel that the entire locker room is done with Julius Randle, that also changes everything, right? Because you need them to buy in as much oh, as I, you need Julius to buy in. Yeah. And what does it say to the rest of the Like, this is probably what happened with Kemba. When the players were upset, Kemba was removed, and they also likely viewed Julius as a reason for why. Like, oh. like it's not, it doesn't stop with him. It's Kemba too, but it's, it's also Julius and what's really going to go on here. And I think you, yes, you do have to have that buy-in from Julius and you have to basically say like, you need to sacrifice, but we all need to sacrifice. It's not just you sacrificing. It's all of us. But how do you get him out of that mentality of I'm the guy I went, I was an all NBA player. Were you an all NBA player to, to the you know other guys in the room? And unless you're Derek Rose, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was. And look how and he I de- changed my career. And he deferred to Derek Rose. Right. Like that yeah. is how things change. And but I don't, I don't know. That's like I don't have the answer for how you can do it. It's mostly just like you have to hope that Julius can get over himself. You have to hope that there is a new coach who can instill these rules where well, things don't fly. Good good luck. Uh good luck finding that person. That's all I will say. 